That, that song just, it just carries us into our time in the word this morning. The fact that you and I can claim God, that we can say, God, you are my God. Those, those two words, the O and the H, where it says, oh, God, you are my God. That, that's not just a filler. That is a soul word that we can cry out from the depths and say, God, you are not way over there. You are my God, and I will praise you. It's with that thought in mind that we can talk about prayer. It's with that thought in mind that we can approach the God of the cosmos, the God who spoke everything into existence, the God who raises the dead from the grave, this God turns his ear to us when we pray and he hears us. Oh God, you are my God. Turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. As we continue in our series on original. For the next few weeks, we're going to be covering the distinctives of RCC, of Redemption City Church, and we simply titled it Unoriginal because the Bible has laid the foundation of what any church, of what every church should look like. We are not original when it comes to planting churches. Jesus Christ has given us the blueprint. And so we started last week with bold preaching. Our preaching can be bold because Jesus Christ is the content of our preaching. We are not proclaiming opinions. We are proclaiming the word of God, and with that, we can be bold. This week, we're talking about fervent prayer. What does it look like for Redemption City Church to be a church of fervent prayer? But first, let's, let's define these words. We talk about fervent prayer from Ephesians chapter 16. Let, let's define what fervent is because I don't know about you, but I don't use the word fervent in everyday vocabulary. When, when Mandy gets home, I don't say to her, man, babe, I've been fervently pursuing you all day. I don't say that. And y'all don't say it either. As much game as some of y'all guys think y'all have, y'all don't say that. Let's define fervent. Fervent is simply this. It's having or displaying a passionate intensity. Having or displaying a passionate intensity. Why, why can we be passionate in our prayers? Because we are confident through Jesus Christ and all he has done that God hears us in our prayers. And his people are passionate about that. We pursue that because the king of kings listens to broken sinners. So we're passionate. What about prayer? I sort of picked and chose from a lot of different sources 
And I came up with my own definition of prayer. This is like pulling from like five different sources to create my own definition. I had a professor who used to always say, I milk a lot of cows, but I make my own cheese. That's what I've done with this definition of prayer. Pull from a lot of sources, but I'm claiming this definition as my own. This is what prayer is. Prayer is continuing a conversation that God has already started that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. Continuing a conversation that God has already started that leads to a fulfillment of his purposes. Beloved, when we go to God in prayer, we are not initiating anything. When we go to God in prayer, we are not hitting a light switch and making God turn his ear. We are simply entering into a conversation that God has begun with his people since the beginning of time. When we go to God in prayer and say, Lord, please give me victory over this sin, we are not initiating that. God has promised that his people will be and they will look more and more like Jesus every single day. We're not starting that conversation. We're simply joining in that conversation. God has begun it. And we're simply saying, hey, God, I know you started this thing, but can I communicate as well? And that's what prayer is. It's joining in what God has already said to fulfill his purposes. This is what Paul is telling us in Ephesians chapter 6. As we look at verses 18 through 20. I know this past week you've probably heard a lot of things. You probably heard this past week a lot of different things about prayer. You've probably heard your heart even whisper lies to yourself that prayer is ineffective. You probably heard the lie this past week that, what do we pray for? It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. God doesn't hear us. You probably heard a lot of things last week now. Hear the word of the Lord. Praying at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and staying alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Praying also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for this. I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Well, since our text this morning is talking about prayer, let's do just that. Let's go to God in prayer and ask that he would help us as we open up his word this morning. Oh, God, you are our God. 
And Lord, we need to hear from you this morning. We need you to break through the lies, break through the facade, break through the distractions. Lord, we need to hear from you. You tell us that your word is powerful. Your word causes the deer to give birth. Your word strips the forest bare. Your word causes everyone in the temple to cry out glory. We need that word this morning. Speak, for your people are listening. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Can I begin with a bit of an English lesson this morning? Younger or old, you know that there are different types of sentences in the human language, right? Every sentence isn't the same. You have questions, right? Interrogative sentences where you're not making a statement, you're not giving a command. You're simply asking a question. For instance, here's a question statement. Don't you believe that Notre Dame football is the greatest team of all time? Question mark. That's a question, right? It's not an imperative. It's not making a statement. It's simply asking you a question. You have interrogative. You have a declarative sentence. Where a declarative sentence isn't telling you to do something, it's not asking for you to do something, it's simply making a statement. For instance, Notre Dame football is the greatest football team of all time, period. <laughs> declarative statement. It's making a statement a fact. Then you have inheritance, the command, right? It's, it's, it's commanding you to do something. For instance, stop lying to yourself. If you think that Notre Dame football isn't the greatest football team of all time, it's a command. Or you can say, have several seats if you don't think Notre Dame football is the greatest football team of all time, right? It's a command. It's telling you to do something. That's important. As we come to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Because as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, 18 through 20, brothers and sisters, there are no commands in these few verses. There are no imperatives. Paul isn't telling you to do anything. He's not saying you have to pray more. No commands. These are all declarative statements. These are all just simple statements of fact. I would have failed you this morning if you leave after having read Ephesians chapter 6, 18 through 20, and you leave saying, I just have to pray more. I have to pray more. My prayer life stinks. I have to pray more. I would have failed you if you leave with that imperative on your mind. But if you leave saying, I get to, I, I get to go before the king of kings, 
and the Lord of Lords and pour out my heart to him, I get to? See, if you leave saying, I have to, instead of I get to, we have misread Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. So the first point is simply this. Not a command. It's a statement. Praying at all times. Paul is simply saying, hey, church, while you are praying, it is making an assumption that God's people are praying people, not giving you a command, not telling you to pray at all times. He's saying, hey, church, you're already doing it. While you're doing it, keep these things in mind. Again, saints, not a, not a command. And again, this, is, this isn't a personal imperative. See, us in the, in the Western world, we, that's how we read our Bibles. Everything is like me, me, me. The, the Bible is for me. What is the word that is written to me? And we can't read Ephesians 6 like that. We read Ephesians 6 as a group assumption. It is not a personal imperative. You cannot do Ephesians chapter 6 all by yourself. You need the entirety of God's people to help us praying at all times. You ever heard the verse, pray without ceasing? You ever been discouraged throughout the week? Like, Lord, man, I I was sleeping for eight hours and I wasn't praying while I was sleeping. I need to repent because I was disobeying your word and I wasn't praying without ceasing. That's what happens when you you take a, a personal or a group assumption and you say, I have to fulfill this thing all by myself. And the scripture is screaming, no, this is not a personal imperative. This is God's people doing what only God's people can accomplish. You are not alone in this. When you make it a personal imperative, that's where discouragement comes from, does it not? Discouragement and discontinuity comes when we try to accomplish that which was meant for everybody to accomplish. <laughs> and we stop praying because we, in the back of our minds, we say, I can't do this. And the scripture's like, yeah, you can't. It wasn't meant for you to do all by yourself. This is for the church of God to do when we realize that we're not storming the throne room of God by ourselves, believers, that is freedom. When we fail, we realize that there's somebody else who's praying for us or praying with us. That gives us the freedom to go into God's throne room like, Lord, I failed yesterday, but there's somebody else who's praying on my behalf. Had a buddy of mine in, in seminary. The uh, professor was 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 making this very point. He was going back to Genesis, and you know, in Genesis they give this creation mandate to you know multiply and fill the earth, right? So the professor was making a statement like, "Hey, individual families, that's not your sole responsibility." Some of y'all sitting in here right now, y'all trying to accomplish that by yourself. You can't do it. 
it's not for you to do all by yourself, right? And he was making that point. And I had a buddy of mine that was next to me. Y'all, he just, he just broke down in tears. He started crying right there in class. And I'm looking, I'm like, hey, bro, like, what's up? And later on, he told me, he said, Stephen, man, my, my wife and I have been trying to have kids for years. And my whole life, I thought I was disobeying God. If I wasn't filling the earth and multiplying, I thought there was something wrong with us because I wasn't fulfilling what God told us to do. Y'all, that's what happens when you take a group assumption and you try to make it a personal imperative. It brings discontinuity. It brings discouragement. It brings guilt. It brings shame. But Paul is saying here, that's not your role. It's for all y'all to do. When somebody fails, someone else who is praying at all times. All times. All times. I got to be honest with you this morning. There are certain times in which I don't want my kids bothering me. Shocking, right? The stellar father figure standing before you. There are certain times I don't want my kids to bother me, and I'm going to sort of display all my parental mistakes right here before you, and I'm not the only one. Some of y'all got some bad parenting habits, too. Stand up here by myself. There are certain times I don't want my kids bothering me. When I'm working, like, hey, y'all don't bother me, Right? When I'm trying to go on a date night with my wife, y'all, hey, kid, don't bother me. When I'm sleeping, don't wake me up. Don't, don't bother me. When I'm watching Notre Dame football, don't bother me. <laughs> All times. That is the power of Ephesians 6, verse 18. God said, that at all times, his people can come before him in prayer. Beloved, that means God puts no restrictions on when we can approach his throne room. There are no blackout times. There is no sign on God's desk that says, I'm away from the office right now. Come back later. There is no God saying to us, you know what, I'm just so tired. I don't feel like discussing this with you right now. Can we talk about this later? God never says that to his people at all. There is never a closed sign on the throne room of God. All times we can approach him. The old folks used to say at the midnight hour, I can cry out to God. During the midnight hour. Morning, afternoon, evening, not I have to, I get to. God, I can, I can, I can come to you at any time and you're not, you're not frustrated with me. You're not impatient with me. You lovingly and caringly sort of invite me into your throne room. This is not an imperative. This is freedom, beloved. Love this quote by Tim Keller. Says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 
3 a.m. for a glass of water is his child. We have that kind of access to God. He is never put off, never frustrated by his children coming to him at all times, beloved. At all times, we can approach the throne room of God and he hears us. Not only that, 18 continues, praying at all times, check this out, in the spirit. According to verse 18, we we got some help when we pray. Praying to God the Father while you're in God the Spirit about something that only God the Son can accomplish through Jesus Christ. At all times, the Trinity is involved in our prayer life. This is why the Scripture says the prayer of a righteous man, oh, it's effective. Why is it effective? Not because you you put your words together in some nice form and all your punctuation marks are in the right place. It's effective because God is at work in our prayers. Listen to what Romans says. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we know this. We don't know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Y'all, even when we go to God saying the wrong things, the Spirit says, let me help you out. You're saying this, but you really mean this. You're asking for this. Well, let me help you. This is what you really need. Like, we can go to God and say, God, look, I, I don't even know what to say right now. And the Spirit's like, I got you. I got you. Let me get down to the depths of your soul. Bring that to God. And he translates for us to give us what we really need according to the will of God. God's will is never going to be thwarted. God's will is never going to be overran, even with our infrequent prayer lives. Again, we, we pray in the Spirit. It's not a command. He's not saying to you, Pray in the Spirit. Beloved, if we are God's children, every time we pray, we're praying in the Spirit. Oh, man, I prayed yesterday. I'm God's child. I wasn't in the Spirit when I was praying yesterday. But today, I'm in the Spirit. God's going to hear me. Man, that causes a discouraging, infrequent prayer life. When we say, God, I'm yours, when we say, oh, God, you are my God, every time we pray, praying in the Spirit, we're getting helped every time we pray. Not have to. We get to. We get 
go before God in all of our brokenness and all of our sin, our minimal words, and somehow the Spirit translates that to God and in turn we get what we really need from the Lord? Why? Why wouldn't we pray to this God? Why wouldn't we go before him and cry out to him if every time we go to him, we are praying in the spirit? Keep going. Paul goes on and pray at all times. When you pray, you're praying in the spirit, but also you're making every prayer and request before God. Paul is so uber redundant here. Paul is saying, pray all the prayers you can think of. And when you run out of prayers, go back to God with requests. And when you run out of requests, go back to God in prayer. That is an amazing thought. We can take everything to God in prayer. My kids have this gift. They have this gift that no matter where they are in the house, they have this ability to sort of converge on dad at the same time, asking me all kinds of questions that I'm not in a position to answer at the moment. It's like they they know they're connected. One may be upstairs, one downstairs, one in the bathroom, but somehow they're synchronized. And they they come. It's like, daddy, do this. Daddy, can we have this? I'm like, man, y'all. Y'all are connected. No parent. No parent. I don't know some of y'all, but I can, I can be assured when I say this. No parent, especially during quarantine, has, has woken up in the morning and called their child into the room and said, Hey, Billy, today I want you to ask me everything. And then when you get done asking me everything, I want you to come back and ask me some more things. And then when you get done asking questions, I want you to come ask me for ice cream and cookies. I want you to make all kinds of requests for me. And when you're done with that, if it's only 10 o'clock, I want you to come back to me at 10.15. I want you to come back at 10.30 all day long from sunrise to sunset. I want you to come back to me and request and ask. Nobody has done that. Don't even lie to yourself. But God, praise God that God isn't like man. He doesn't get frustrated or run out of patience with his kids. And he's writing in Ephesians and he's saying, make every prayer and request. When you've exhausted prayers, make some requests. When you've exhausted requests, make some prayers. Y'all, this, this is not have to. This is get to. Lord, we, we get to come to you at any time of the day and you bend your ear to us and you stoop down to our level and you hear us and you answer us and then when we come back to you're not frustrated with us and you hear us again as if it's the first time and then we when we come back to you the 20th time you hear us again y'all this is get to get to make every prayer 
and every request to God as his children. As his children. It's nothing too minimal or too large for us to go to the throne room with. God tells his kids to come. Enter this conversation that I've started. And let me show you how I work it out according to my will. Pray at all times. Every prayer, every request. But Lord, what happens when I get tired? What happens when I get weak? You remember what I said? This is not a personal imperative. This is a group assumption. Paul goes on and he says, and stay alert. It's not a command. He's like, while you are staying alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Y'all, this is a group effort. Staying alert. Y'all know how it is. Sometimes sin can keep us from the throne room of God. Sometimes our own brokenness can keep us from the throne room of God. Discouragement, disappointment can keep us from the throne room of God. What happens? What happens when I'm not praying? Praise be to God. Somebody else is. What happens when you're not praying? Praise be to God, somebody else is. Paul says we get to pray for all the saints. We get to not be selfish in our prayers. We get to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that the Lord may hear their requests as well. We get to. All things. Let me steal a quote for just a moment. I stole a bunch, but I'm going to steal this one because his brother is sitting in the room. I'm going to steal his quote. And here's the quote. If God were to answer all of your requests from the last 12 months, would just your world change or would the world change? God would answer all your requests from the last 12 months with just your world change or with the world change. Y'all, this, this is what Paul is saying. We, we get to, to, to pray for, for everybody. And, and y'all, we shouldn't wait for people to tell us that they need prayer. We should just be praying for folks. Right? Every prayer request should not just be a fire drill. We should have sort of like the, the Joseph mentality that when things are good, we're storing up for the years of famine. I know your life is good. I know everything is going well. But you know what? I'm going to pray for you anyway because the valley is coming. Going before the Lord, like, Lord, they're good. You're, you're, you're blessing. You're, you're with them. But I'm, I'm praying for my brother and sister of Christ. Whatever comes, that you will give them the strength and, and perseverance to make it through. Let's not, let's not wait for a brother to come and say, brother, can you, can you just pray for me? Like, man, 
I already did it. Prayed for you last week, brother, and I'm going to pray for you again. Consistently, we, we get to go before the throne on behalf of our, our saints in Christ. And Paul uses this, this military terminology here. He's saying, staying alert, staying awake. The imagery that Paul uses of a, of a soldier who's asleep, but not all soldiers are asleep. Not all soldiers can be asleep at the same time. One is knocked out and the other one is keeping watch. One is sleeping. One is watching his back while watching while he sleeps. This is the beauty of the family of God. When I'm asleep, when I'm broken, when I don't go before the throne, there's somebody else who's praying for me. Y'all, Our list before God. This is why Paul began by saying, you can pray at all times about everything. God wants to preface it like that because our list should never run out. We should always ask somebody on mind, man, Lord, you you just brought this person to mind. Lord, I don't know why, Spirit, I don't know why you brought this person to mind, but Lord, you know, Spirit, help me out. Praying for this person. And I don't any, if you're like me, and I just made that statement, there's some of you who the Lord just brought somebody to mind. Say, Lord, why did you, why did you bring that person to mind? Because the Lord's like, I'm inviting you at this moment to come before my throne room and pray for them. So whoever that person is, the Lord just brought to mind, even though I'm preaching and I'm talking loud, the Lord can still hear you. It's not distracted. You can pray for that individual right now. Why? Because Paul says we get to. We get to make prayers and intercessions for all the saints. Praise be to God. Not only that, Paul gives us a powerful lesson. As he ends this text, he says, hey, hey, church, while you're praying, while you're praying, can you, can you remember me in your, in your request? Y'all have got to get this. I mean, Paul, he wrote the majority of the New Testament scriptures, right? This is Paul. This is the same one who stepped into Ephesus, the, the area in which he's writing this letter and presented the gospel with all boldness. And then at the end of this, he was like, hey, church, while you're praying, can you remember to pray for me also? Paul reminds us that no one is above prayers. No one sitting here Standing here, not in need for somebody to pray for them. Here you have this church planter in Paul, and he humbles himself, and he says, Church, while you're storming the throne room, can you remember me as well? So, church, I'll I'll make the same request. 
when you're, when you're praying, can you remember me as well? Can you pray that when we stand up here as we talked about last week with all boldness that Christ would be proclaimed? And what's amazing is that after Paul makes this request to the Ephesian church, he goes on to write four more letters. What that says is that the prayers of God's people, they work. Here's, here's the crazy thought. King of the universe, God of gods, the Lord of lords, he hears us when we pray. You know what? Even crazier thought? He actually answers us when we pray. If that's the case, let's, let's ask one more thing to God, that he would use us to fulfill his purposes right here in the city of South Bend.